Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because I'm fine. Hello, welcome to IntelliCast. This is season four, episode 41. Um, thanks for joining. Joining me today is, as always, is producer Brian. Hello, Brian. Hello, how are you? Great. And Andrew DeSellis as well. Hello, Andrew. Happy Friday, Brian. How are you, sir? I've got, yeah. I've got to ask, season yeah. four, episode 41. Yeah. How do you decide when it's a new season or not? January 1, is that what we do? Calendar year, baby. Calendar, Calendar year. year? Yep. Yeah. All right. Easy enough. So this is the end of our fourth year of doing this podcast. Isn't that, that's, that's really crazy. That blows my mind. We're one of the older yeah. ones. We can't say yeah. it's new anymore. Yeah. Season 5, you know, we'll have all new music soon. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I Season think so. Five. Yeah, we'll be doing things a little different next year. Uh, thanks for joining, everybody. You can uh, follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research, or IntelliCast1. You can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. We always love voicemails and texts at 513-401-5463. Um, what should we talk about, Brian? Oh, well, Thanksgiving is, as we're recording this, Thanksgiving is next week. So it's kind of a short week for us. And it kind of hits in for Andrew, the very busy time of the year. For me, it's kind of a slowdown time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this, um, you might be off work and you might be traveling. So thank you for listening. Um, we appreciate it. This should be an entertaining episode because we struck all most of the hardcore news stories. <laughs> I prepped. We had like eight stories, one of which I prepped an hour on and the other seven I have prepped zero on. So this should go really smoothly, like per normal. Yeah, I really appreciated finding that out um, right before we started recording, as I also read many of these news articles. But, you know, it, it, it's a good thing, though, because we're eliminating them from this episode so that they can get their own episodes and their own thorough treatment at a later date. Yeah, so the, I mean, maybe Brian just briefly mentioned the two or three topics that we removed that we're going to do longer episodes on. So we remo- removed topics around a scandal on skewed polling. We yeah. removed CPRA stories. Yeah. Um, as well as some more about TV measurements. So. Yeah. Three kind of, you know, longer form for us, at least, you know, more than just reading a news story and talking about it for two minutes. I think those were probably 10 minute conversations. I probably have a little bit of holiday brain. Um, on a Friday, so yeah, we'll do, we'll do longer episodes on that. So if you if you'd like to join us to talk about any of those episodes, we'd love to have you. Love to reach out to us. Yeah, um, and we have had people reach out to us lately, which honestly surprised me because I looked the other day and we had messages. So I have responded. So we do want we do track that people. I it comes to me. Good, good. 
So, so what, what are we talking about? So first up on our stories, um, there was a new story, and I want to think it was Research Live that said one third of CMOs lack trust in their market marketing data, according to the latest research from marketing data analytics platform at Verity. Uh, part of this, they attributed to it as the most likely cause of the distrust in marketing data. And then her number one challenge cited by both marketers and data analysts was time being wasted manually wrangling data. Andrew, I'll let you start yeah. off. But I, I love the wrangling of data. That sounds <laughs> interesting. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Sure. You know, it's not surprising to me. Right. You know, as we've worked with clients who are researchers and clients who are brands, a lot of times we do receive pushback and they say, you know, hey, this looks odd to me. This isn't what I expected. Why? Um, and, and I think it's it's probably good to have a healthy mistrust of data in some way to sort of make sure that you're checking all of the boxes or enough boxes that you feel comfortable making a multi-million or billion dollar business decision based on data, right? Um, so I think, I think that's all well and good, but I, I think especially with kind of the manual wrangling, right? Um, not just from a time waster perspective, but also from the perspective of the trust, right? You know, I, I remember in college sitting in Statistics 101 and discussing that the manipulation of statistics to tell the story that you want is something that, you know, we, and quite frankly, let's go outside of business. We as conscientious, critically thinking citizens need to understand how statistics can be manipulated to tell a story. Um, so this is getting a bit ranty, I think, but it, it's not surprising to me. And I think it might not be a bad thing, right? If one third of CMOs lack trust in their marketing data, um, and that means they're critically thinking about it, I think that's a good thing. If the article's inferring that CMOs think they don't need marketing data because they don't trust it, um, that's a, a, a totally different story. And Perhaps that kind of underscores my point that to say one third of them lack trust without knowing exactly what the questions were and the fallout and so on and so forth um, kind of tells that story because I don't know if I can trust this statement. Very good. I, I agree with what you said. I, this doesn't surprise me. Um, in fact, I think it's a little bit low, a little bit lower than I expected. I think we, you know, we're in an era where we have so much data you know, and we're, the wrangling of data is a good way of saying it. It's, it is, we're in this transition phase of taking tons of data and kind of compressing that data into insights and what's important and what isn't. And we're going through all these growing pains as an industry, both marketing is, marketing research is, we all are, um, as we kind of figure out the best methods of doing it. Hopefully there'll be a solution to this in the next couple of years. This is a surprise me though, but I, yeah, I agree with everything you said. Brian, I'm sure you have thoughts. Yeah, as the marketing person on this, I probably fall in that one third, but it's more of a trust but verify aspect of it. Like you have to trust where you're getting it from. So the manual wrangling, I understand that. There's, it's slow, it could be 
fraught for human error. One typo can change the course of whether you're going to continue a marketing campaign or not is because did I paste this into the field correctly? Um, I'm just thinking like, depending on if you're looking at say a social media campaign, if you're looking at it from the platform you launch it from versus in it in like a LinkedIn native dashboard, I could get two different sets of numbers. Well, what's right. I can't, then I can't trust either of it. I totally understand that, but I think while there's not maybe trust, if you're just consistent about where you're getting it from and how you get it, you can gain, you can build a little bit of trust that way. And at least that's how I've done it where maybe I can't trust some numbers, but if I'm consistent on the way I'm getting the data, well, then I'm consistent in my reporting and all of that. So maybe a point of clarification. Do you know if this study by, um, was it about marketing performance data or market research? Um, marketing insight? data overall. So Over, everything, it, everything baked into the cake. Don't yeah. trust it. Don't buy it. Hmm. So yeah, there's components of it. There's some, there's some stuff I trust and some stuff I don't. Like with systems that don't link up, yeah, I might not trust if I have to combine and manually manipulate that data versus if I can get a standard report. Yep. This is what it says. Okay. Yep. That works. So I think there's varying levels. So as our marketing director, do you have more confidence in data that you have wrangled? So like you've been down in the weeds, you found things you trust and you don't, you've adjusted and you've analyzed, and then you get an output from which to make a decision. Even though it might've been a little fishy, a little murky at the start, do you trust it better because you've done that and we waste, quote unquote, wasted time on the wrangling? Or do you trust something that's just a clean dashboard comes off, is what it is? What, what has more trust in it? So for me, if I know I have done it and I've done that wrangling, I know looking at it, I'll trust if I do it because I, that's just inherent. If I did it, I'm going to trust it because um, then I can tell like, this doesn't look right. Uh, I can go back and see if I've made an error. The dashboard stuff, yeah, it can be, but it's also where that data is coming from. So trusting that original source. So it, it can have the cleanest, nicest dashboard, but if I know it's garbage in, well, that might just be a pretty up version of garbage. So it's really about the source of that data. And do you trust where that data is coming from for me? You're saying the same thing as we would say from the market research. Uh, perspective as well. So interesting. Yep. Uh, moving on to our next story, Leger, which you have corrected me from my pronunciation in a past episode, um, has acquired Insights West, a Vancouver-based full-service market research firm. Um, this actually came out during uh, the CRIC half-day co- conference last week. They kind of announced it during the presentation. Yeah, interesting. Um, interesting company. This is a, a good strategy. We know the Leger folks. They're really smart. They're really good. We've I followed them in presenting a couple of times, and they're just powerhouses at uh, understanding the market, Canadian market, and data. Really good pre- uh, presentations and insights to what they do. Um, this is a good. I'd forgotten that they had the online community of British Columbians of Chinese and South Africa South Asian ethnic descent. That is really niche. That is awesome. It's really cool. Um, and also, 
they develop proprietary panels um, for clients, and they also acquired Insights West Western Canadian Consumer Panel, um, Your Insights. So kind of a conglomeration of assets here. Really good. All right. Next up, we have an announcement that came out earlier this week was that Protégé received a major investment by private equity firm Great Hill Partners. What do you guys think about that? I'll let Andrew take this one first. Yeah, um, you know, and I did, I hunted all over the internet looking for a disclosure of the, the nature of the investment and could not find one. Um, terms undisclosed, so you can't, can't really comment on the size of the deal or anything like that. But, you know, from an overarching perspective, um, Protégé is a great company. We love working with them. They're growing like crazy. They're doing really cool things with their internal technologies and their internal tools that are available to it to us, um, you know, we work with them both through their proprietary tools as well as with the custom integration. Um, and so I can only assume that this investment will be used to further invest in those technologies. Um, so I think it's all great. And, and, you know, zoom out even further. Anytime we see a story about money coming into our little corner of the insights world. I think it, it, it's just really great for everyone. It's a rising tide raising all ships. Well said, nothing bad to that. So can I play a little bit of a devil's advocate here and ask a question? With all of this new money coming into market research, and let's just take the sample portion of it as for this conversation. We've seen Sint by Lucid now. We've seen Protégé get a bunch of money. Um, is this actually a good thing for the data or will we start to see changes kind of going forward? Well, I mean, you know, we, we've always, as a company that's, you know, 100% privately owned by our founder, um, we've always kind of gone back and forth on, okay, well, when a data company, when a sampling company, when an MR firm is now beholden to a board of investors, right? It's inherent that to some degree at the top of the organization, they become more beholden to the bottom line than they do to what is best for the research. I am optimistic that the pendulum in our industry is swinging back from price to quality. So I hope that as organizations need to differentiate themselves by providing better quality, they're going to start seeing that show up in their bottom lines so that leadership from these private equity firms and leadership within the organizations discussing this with their investors can make investments in quality, in technology that makes sampling better uh, rather than just kind of making banking moves, if you will. Um, there's always that concern, you know, whenever, and you mentioned specifically, will we see changes in the data? Um, and I think Brian, you're going to have a lot to add there once I'm done, um, with my thoughts, but, you know, if there are any operational changes to the management of the asset in the name of profitability, really even something very minute can change the behavioral and attitudinal biases of a panel. 
Um, so it's always a risk, but that's a risk that could happen whether or not you just got a lot of PE money, right? You know, th these companies could make changes to their panel management technology or the way they incentivize or the panelist experience that could be made with or without investment. Um, you know, once you bring on someone new, is that probably a time ripe for change? Absolutely. Um, but I don't think that inherently investment would trigger changes in the behavioral and, and attitudinal biases that we see in data um, on a panel source by panel source basis. Ryan, is that, am I off base there? Do you think it, it, it's more volatile? Um, I agree with everything you said. I hope they invest in quality like you're saying. I hope that they invest in all of the innovations that they weren't able to do before they got this money. I hope they don't just go on a hiring spree and try to scale and, you know, and then in a year and a half, they've got to make some tougher changes. That's what we've seen with other companies that it's really loud, the money they get and make all this hiring moves and, you know, rebrand and all this stuff. I'm concerned. My concern is the data. And, you know, Protégé is one of our greatest partners. I think they'll manage this correctly. I, they're, they have really good sample. Um, they've really moved from a brand that no one knew, I don't know, six years ago to one of the biggest names in the industry. They've made a lot of really good moves. And so I trust that they'll do what's best for the data and ultimately the client. Um, but yes, when you have investors and firms that are putting pressure on the bottom line um that's typically where um, companies have some challenges and we see it in the data but yeah I'm, I'm hopeful all right well you kind of teased a little bit into our next story when you mentioned rebrand um wiseworks has rebranded as torfac they say the new name comes a new focus of data-driven diligence bent on helping clients scale their growth with best-in-class market research solutions. What do you guys think about that? Um, where do I start? Um, first off, WiseWorks people, but now the Torfac people, they have been friends of EMI. I love the people that work there. We saw them recently. Um, I know those guys. They're a good company. They've been great partners. Um, they have great, great, get yeah, great quality sampling assets, um, yeah. especially in a, a competitive pricing market. Um, you know, we really like working with them. Their quality is leaps and bounds ahead of other folks at their similar price point. Um, and like you said, just tremendous people to work with. Yes. Let's just start off with that. That but, being said, all right. That being said, for two years, I have, I thought it was, I was just kind of joking around. We had an ongoing segment that Brian, you and I, sometimes you put company names on there that aren't even in our industry just to get my reaction out of them. Yeah. Just to get and a rise out of you. It's normally pretty funny. It's, it's honestly, it's ridiculous. And I, this isn't specifically towards Torfac, which I don't think is the greatest name in, in the history of the world. I don't think it's the worst name either, but. It's not the best name. I just don't know what's going on where I understand you need to rebrand and you want to be beyond what the former brand was. Some of the rebrands make sense to me, um, but you know these names are just out of control. We, we'll go through a lot of these. I have a long list of just 
I don't understand. I don't know how this happens. And we joked around about it over and over and over again. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners were probably looking forward to this episode because here comes the rant on Torfak. Um, I'll let Andrew take the first stab at it here. He, he has opinions too. <laughs> are, you, are you hoping that I'll, uh, I'll come down softer than you will or, or handing off will keep you from going on too big of a rant? Well, my rant will be mostly focused on the industry and not on Torfax specifically. It's just bad timing for them. <laughs> I mean, look, here's the thing. We have rebranded. We were initially Easy Mail Interactive. Um, and there's actually a great article out right now on LinkedIn. Go find Michael Holmes, our founder. He published an article called Why I Didn't Build a Panel. Um, our roots were in email marketing. So you would cultivate email marketing lists, double opted in marketing lists, hence Easy Mail Interactive. Well, lo and behold, folks, now we're EMI research solutions true to the same brand tells you what we do right we do research and if you knew us when we were easy mail now we're just emi i get that rebrand because it's a change in our focus um it, it kind of tells people what you do brian some of these names man it's just it, it doesn't even even names like linkedin facebook like Instagram, like they're, they're kind of telling you what they are. Yes. Um, I don't know how I'm supposed to get anything out of Torfac. I don't know how I'm supposed to know that Dynata means dynamic data unless someone tells me. Um, you know, I love the, the, the disco name, you know, discovering quality, but someone still has to explain that to you, right? And so I just... And it's getting crazier and crazier. Apparently, the entire business world, as opposed to having an E at the end of your name, you just drop the E and throw an R at the end of it, and that gives you millions of dollars in PE. I, yeah. I don't, I don't get it. it. There must be like a, a secret, um, like a secret society of naming marketers that are just unleashing chaos upon the branding world. I don't know what's going on. So I don't know I, what's going on. I'm going to step in before Brian launches into his portion. <laughs> Naming wise, having been on the end of trying to name something for a rebrand, it's a lot more difficult than you think. That's why branding agencies get paid the hundreds of thousands of dollars to do what they do. One, when you're looking at it, dropping the E off it, that's a new word. So now when you're trying to trademark it and things like that, you can get the trademark on those. That's why we're getting into weird. I think that's why we're getting into more weird names as other names are already out there. You can't just say, Oh, well, I'm John Smith research solutions. There might one that doesn't really make you stand out, but two, a lot of the other names that you might want to go with probably are already taken or taken in terms of a product. Think car names, for example, like how we're getting down to like bottom of barrel for car names, because one, you're looking at ones that are already out there, but two, what does it mean? And you don't want to make sure, depending on where you're working and cultures and things like that, that it might come across wrong. Thinking back to the bad branding blunders over the years, there's the cars that mean garbage and stuff like that. So you want to avoid that as well, but you also want that unique. So taking Torfac into example, do you think anybody online has 
optimized any sort of page for Torfac prior to this. I guarantee you no. That was a spelling error prior to this. Now you type in Torfac, they're going to own it. They're the first people to come up. Yeah. Yep. It's a great point. That that's the marketing side of that. So yeah, there's the marketing side of it. And then there's like what Andrew kind of said is, you know, we know what a lot of these companies do. Like, I think that Dynata is a great example. No one knows what Dynata means. They made up that word and they can they can try to tell a story to tell what it is, but like research now. What do they do? Research. When do they do it? Now. That's awesome. That's a good brand name. Um, SSI is a good brand name, you know, survey sampling international. What do they do? They survey people, um, with sample and they do it internationally. That's great. Donata, what do you do? I don't know what you do anymore. Um, like Lieberman, they're a great company with the name Lieberman material. I mean, come on, you're just trying too hard. Um, coupons.com changed to quotient. That's okay. I understand the disco change. And that was actually really smart because, if you Googled active measure before they changed their name, there was a Russian element to it that they didn't want to be part of. So they got ahead of it. That was really smart. Um, and discover quality. That's great how they position themselves. But I'm, I'm going to go on here. Like Alchemer. What? I mean, come on. Survey Gizmo. You know what you do. It's kind of a cool little name. But Alchemer. Survey, Survey Gizmo was a fun name, too. Yeah. And um, by the way, I'm going to point out it's Alchemer without me at the end. <laughs> That's right. And what is it? Uh, Momentive with SurveyMonkey. SurveyMonkey, a huge brand name, insider industry and outsider industry. Momentive. I mean, come on, that's crazy. Um, Now they've got to drop the cute monkey logo. (laughs) Exactly. Um, That was going to happen either way. So critical was a great name. I think Alita doesn't make any sense to me. Behaviorally doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Upwave, which is the Servada name now. Um, I just think like Andrew, your conspiracy theory that there's this secret society of people messing with us. They're called branding agencies. Yeah. That's the, that's their secret cabal. So, you know, Torfac is the recent recipient of this award. Um, Again, there are friends of ours, but I just, I I just wish companies would, and by the way, I've got some companies here. um, Oh, a Veriglyph. I forgot about Veriglyph. Um, You know, that's the old, is it sample chain? Oh no, it's um, MR chain is now Veriglyph. Understand the sample chain changing to resource defender because sample chain didn't do sample nor do they do blockchain. So I get that. Resource defender is a great brand name. Um, I expect name changes soon from Schlesinger. They've acquired a billion companies recently and poor Steve Schlesinger, I think his name will be gone soon. <laughs> um, um, the Synth Lucid merger, they're going to have to come up with a new brand name, I bet. Um, Lucent, already here first. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I brought up that email we wrote. It was a year and a half ago, Brian, when we did the podcast about rebranding EMI to Spork yep. or Waffles or, um, you know, one of those crazy pancake. words. We should just, you know, Pancake was a great one. Um, I don't know. Andrew, what you have more thoughts, I'm sure. So I, how long ago did Decipher rebrand to Forsta? That's another one, Forsta. I don't know, within the past year. Because I just found out about it this morning, and I'm furious. (laughs) Decipher. What do you do? You decipher data. You decipher respondents. Focus vision is a good Um, name. Yep. Focus vision. Absolutely. And now we've got Forza. What is that? Is that for? Is that that's like a? um, All I can think about is Forza. Like we're racing European motor cars. Um, I don't know, man. It's just it's. 
I don't know. So this is why I don't work for a branding agency. So Brian, you have talked about in past episodes how market re- the market research industry needed more marketing people in it. Yeah. Well, this is one of those byproducts of having more marketing people involved yeah. in market research. I, I really want just prettier charts and prettier white papers and prettier websites and more actionable data and pretty, you know, that kind of stuff. I do not want this, what's going on in our industry now. And I understand you got to rebrand because, you know, sampling companies and research companies are going beyond, they want to move beyond what they've done. And maybe sometimes the brand name kind of pigeonhole themselves. And, you know, we're becoming way beyond market research, whether it's res tech or insights or something, it's bigger than just survey research, right? So I, I understand that part of it. But just some of the names just don't make any sense to me. And we're, I feel like we're just going to talk about this every every other episode now. I'll put it out there. If anybody else has a name change that will cause Brian to have this kind of rant, please send them to me because I think this is hilarious. You know, why was the, the vowel, you know, the hidden sixth vowel, why? But now, in, I bet in 2020, 30, it's going to surpass the U as most used vowel. Z will not be the least used letter in the alphabet. Z will move up to like 23rd or 24th in the alphabet because of all these brand name changes. Like my pinky is getting tired of going to the Z with all these stupid brand names. No more Zs, people. The Z is in the corner of the keyboard for a reason. So is the Q. Those are your pinky key punches. You know, it's near the, the, the slash. And you're not going to like the new name, new rebrand name, ZZ, ZY, ZY. Yeah. I think I'm done. <laughs> we didn't go too far, did we? We can release this episode. Yes, we can release this episode. And we'll be taking submissions for EMI's new name directly to Brian Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> no uh, vowels allowed. Thankfully, for the most part, this hasn't affected us here in Cincinnati. You know, we've got a lot of cool brand names like Burke. Could you imagine Burke changing their brand name to something or Directions Research or Market Vision or 8451? I mean, it's a newer, 8451 is a newer company, but the other companies are just historical, have a lot of equity in those brand names. I don't think Burke has pigeonholed itself into what it does. I mean, it's, it's changed its offering for 80 years. Um, Directions wasn't, Research is doing the same thing. Wasn't 8451 something before it was 8451? Yeah, when, once it spun off from, um, yeah. gosh, this is a, the European company. It still exists and has still its office in Cincinnati. Can't think of their name. Um, yeah, it was a spinoff. Um, yeah, it was Dunhumby. Yeah, Dunhumby. Yeah, Dunhumby yeah. still exists, though. Yeah. So it's like kind of technically a, a new company. My understanding is that Kroger was, you know, over half of Dunhumby's business. And so Kroger decided to kind of buy their whole half of the business and make it make it its own company. Um, what I do, spe- speaking of a cool name, you know, 8451 being the latitude of, of Cincinnati and, and the Kroger headquarters, that's a cool name too. It's an awesome name and you don't pigeonhole yourself into it. it tells I had no idea what that was. Why oh, was wow. 51? No idea. I just, just said, why are we just numbers? It locks them in to that block. Like they can never move because, you know, if you want to move three blocks away, you're now 8452. You can't do Have it. you seen that office? They don't want to move, man. Right? Yeah. They're not moving anytime soon. Anything else we should talk about? To our friends at Wise and Torfac, I hope we didn't offend you. I apologize if we did. It's, it's not you all. 
it's really what's going on in the world that is really, you know, sending us over the edge on some of these names. And it's all do we fun. know? Do we know the origin of the name? Because I know we've we've read through multiple statements about what it means. And, you know, Torfac means this and that to me, and but I have not. It has not been explained to me what Torfac means. I'm guessing Torque fact, maybe. But what does it come from? Where? How do we come up with Torfac? If you're from Wise and you can tell us what Torfac means, please let us know. We'd love to talk about it on our naming episode. Um, and maybe it would be fun too if someone from Wise, if you want to reach out to us and if you are part of the name change or actually if you're from any of these companies that we just mentioned, if we just called you out and made you feel bad about your name and you were part of the name change, come on the podcast, let's talk about it. Let's, that would be fantastic. Come on and make me feel small because I don't know what I'm talking about. That's fine. I will, we will not turn down a guest that is mad at us and wants to come on and defend their brand name change. Anybody has an open invitation. We maybe we'll even do it live, so we don't have to edit it. We'll <laughs> bring somebody on, any of those companies. Good, good, good. Um, Good request, Andrew. I think we should just end the episode now. I think we're good. I think we're um, good as well. Thanks so much for having me on, Brian. So I appreciate it. Yeah, and last minute notice, Andrew came on. Brian, I don't think he knew who was coming on. We just were talking about this morning via chat, and he wanted to come on. So thanks, Andrew, for coming on. Brian, thanks for your flexibility. Have a great Thanksgiving, everyone. Um, we had a little fun in this episode. Hope you didn't take us too seriously. Uh, but we'll be back um, after Thanksgiving. Have a great day, everybody. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.